Would you like to know how to make better decisions for your business, your people, or yourself? Do you want to recognize when you make errors of judgment that cause the quality of your decisions to drop, and when you are moving away from, not closer to, your goal? Welcome to Because There's More with Laura Ellis. For the next hour, Laura and her guests will share experiences and insights that will challenge and stretch your thinking, help you recognize your biases, and ultimately guide you towards more predictable and accurate decisions. You'll walk away from this show feeling better informed, more inspired, and a lot more confident about your next big decision. Now, here's your host, Laura Ellis. Hello, I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision-making. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, a very warm welcome. Thank you. And, of course, thank you to all our returning listeners for joining me today, particularly because today marks an important milestone for the show and for the organization I founded back in 2013, Trusted Advisory Board, TAB for short. Following a successful 13-weeks pilot, Because There's More has now entered in its first one-year contract with our host, the business channel of Voice America's internet radio talk show. It's pretty excited. I am pretty excited, and I look forward to providing you with ample insights, knowledge, perspectives from a list of impressive guests who will be joining me in the coming year. So in those circumstances, I felt it made a lot of sense that I mark this as a new beginning. And using the wonders of technology and the expertise of my very talented Voice America engineer, Brad Comer, I decided to rebroadcast the actual first show in which my colleague, expert host on Voice America's business channel, Chris Cooper, agreed to interview me on the why I created the show and why I chose to build an entire organization around decision-making. To me, the answer is straightforward. Decision-making is a journey. At the executive level, decisions kick off a game-changing chain of events. And what I've learned during a very rewarding consultant career is that when organizations succeed, they succeed and thrive because their boards or executives make extremely good business decisions. How you get to make good business decisions? Well, that's what I sought to achieve in creating TAP. We help you make better decisions so you have better businesses. And a tab with the input of an impressive list of advisors, we focus and combine our energies at the level where your choices are still being formed. I founded Trust Advisory Board as an alternative to the approaches that don't work well anymore. And in creating tab, I developed a multi-purpose think tank to inspire better decisions. We place expert, relevant advisory in the hands of senior decision makers before, during, and after they face a decision, a crisis, or a planning initiative. Because the TAP knowledge network that I created is a hub. It's a hub where you access the knowledge and advisory that lights up a different path to a different future for your organization. And this show, because there's more, is a public outlet for our philosophy and our work. And if you do want to find out more about how we engage our clients, please visit us at www.trustadvisoryboard.com to learn more. So 
I'm going to leave you to our first broadcast to mark our first broadcast once again. Welcome to Because There's More. Thank you so much for the uh, wonderful introduction. And uh, I just want to say what an honor it is to, to be able to host uh, for you your very first show, Lara. And I remember mine nearly four years ago now, and you've my full respect for getting out there and making a difference. Uh, I'm also delighted that someone has taken on the mantle to help busy executives uh, achieve more through better decision-making. Um, so I think we need to find out from Lara about her unique perspective on decision-making, as well as the origins and concepts uh, behind TAB. Um, before we do, let me fully introduce you to Lara. Um, Laura Ellis is an innovator. She's a visionary whose career has been defined by three vocations. Uh, she's an educator, a business psychologist, and an entrepreneur. And Laura is dissatisfied with any boundaries that restrict potential. Uh, she found purpose, though, in employing a talent to expand the choices afforded to people as an educator. And one of the things I think that is just fascinating about Laura is that she has motivated and guided at-risk youth in communist Romania, where she's from, um, and she's helped so many people to thrive outside the limits that were imposed by a really oppressive regime. Uh, she was drawn by the intricacy and the energy um, that she discovered inside business, and she later built a career in business psychology, facilitating organizational transformations and helping to grow executive talent, um, the true architect of business success. Uh, she's far-sighted and enterprising, and I think that sets Laura apart and often places her odds with the mainstream when it comes to thinking. After 15 successful years in influential corporate and consulting roles, she saw that the tools for business growth became out of the step with the needs of business. And she founded in 2013 the Trusted Advisory Board, an organization she knows will disrupt and reshape management consulting to meet today's business needs for rapid transformation and differentiation. And this amount of progress only comes from the ongoing exposure to high density and diversity of information. And TAB creates those conditions and gives senior executives access to a created network of knowledge to make fast and accurate business decisions. And it fulfills Lara's mission to evolve how businesses are run one business at a time. So a big welcome to Lara and welcome to your own very first show. Thank you, Chris. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. I have this big smile on my face, so thank you. I'm absolutely delighted uh, to hear that. And it's been a pleasure to work with you over the last few months and uh, help you a little bit with this show. And so thanks uh, very much for, for my kind uh, introduction that you gave me. Um, Laura, I mentioned a little earlier in the introduction that uh, your background is from Romania. And I wonder if you could tell us what you learned what, you know, while you were living under that oppressive regime. Um, sure. Uh, it was uh, definitely a different environment that uh, someone who grew up in England, like yourself or uh, my friends and colleagues here in Canada, would have experienced. Uh, and I just want to put a, a little plug about decision-making here because our brains have a tendency to remember the bad experiences before they um, uh, remember the good experiences. So if I were to follow that line, I would say that um, there were a lot of uh, not good things that happened while I was growing out in Romania. From that respect, um, I, learned, I learned fear. I learned to distrust people and learned that I am uh, better off pretending uh, to be someone that I wasn't. But that also allowed me, so all those bad lessons from a communist, uh, living in a communist regime, also taught me to appreciate the 
things that were good there. So I also learned um, to appreciate loyalty uh, because there wasn't much there. So those who, who had it for me, uh, it was valued a lot higher. Uh, I also learned to um, appreciate friendship and honesty. And uh, toward the end of uh, my living in Romania, which uh, ended uh, once the revolution, our revolution ended in 89, I learned to believe that there is definitely more than what I had known, and the world is a big place. I'm, I'm just really kind of interested if you could share with us, and um, and I've not asked you this before, but, you know, what what actually was it like growing up there? And if you were to, say, compare it to maybe the, the life of somebody growing up in the U.K., or in, in um, Canada, for example? There are many, many things that are different. I think that uh, um, I, I, in response to your question, I'll probably give a couple of examples that are, are I think, they're good uh, uh, stories. They're entertaining stories. So um, as you may know, uh, like any other communist country, uh, the, the police had a very, was very heavily integrated into our lives. So there were a lot of uh, listening devices and, uh, you know, they wanted to know everything we did. Uh, it was illegal and you could have gone to prison and I knew people going to prison uh, for having uh, $10 bills because it was illegal to have uh, foreign currency. Um, so my mom at the time was, uh, she was part of the uh, nomenclature and uh, uh, she was a hotel manager, a job that it means you know, it's an ordinary job in the Western uh, world, but it was a very important job in Romania because only those who were part of the nomenclature could have uh, um, authority in those times. Um, so she was a hotel manager, and she was always very aware what foreign tourists visit uh, the hotel uh, because they had special rooms to place them in uh, with microphones and everything else. So one day, my mom received a phone call at home, and one of the receptionists was, was panicking uh, because a younger or a new receptionist had made the mistake of placing uh, this scientist who was traveling from abroad in the uh, in the wrong room without the mics. So my mom did what she did very well. She troubleshooted and, and called the plumber and said, go back, wait for the guests to leave the room, go to the uh, room and, and break down the shower. And then we'll tell him, look, we're really sorry. We can't get the, the plumber for a few hours. Uh, unfortunately, we would have to, the best way is for you to move rooms. So that happened and at the end of the incident. Uh, the chap went and talked to my mom and said, I really appreciated, you know, how quickly and swiftly uh, you dealt with this. But he said, but it's very interesting because um, I've only uh, entered Romania five uh, days ago, but this is the fourth time this is happening to me. So he smiled and walked away. Uh, so that's one, one of the stories. Also, when I was a ski instructor uh, for a short period of time um, during my winter holidays, um, it was fun to see those um, those guys from the security police um, climbing up in uh, climbing up the trees uh, so they can take pictures and uh, observe our interaction with a foreign tourist on the slopes. So that just to give you an idea, what was it like? <clears throat> that is amazing, and very very different world to the one that uh, I was certainly Absolutely. brought up in. And I wonder, how did that experience then mold you as an individual and, and really kind of spark your interest in the decision-making process? 
Um, I think that in many, many ways, I mean, there's no doubt that uh, my thinking was influenced by my uh, uh, circumstances and and what was happening uh, around me. Um, One way that I would say uh, it influenced my thinking and and developed my appreciation for my and others' thinking, I think it sharpened uh, my own and my compatriots' critical thinking skills. And, And I say this because in a country where there was sparsity in everything. You know, there was no food uh, to choose from. There were no clothes to choose from. There were no services to choose from. Uh, and, the, and everything that you're trying to do uh, was met with this uh, same answer. It's not possible. It's not possible. You had to really get very good at, uh, at working around the system and, uh, you know, uh, uh, find different ways to do it than the, than the usual uh, ways uh, you would do them in a, in a normal, in a civilized uh, society. I'll give an example. I was a, uh, when I was a school teacher, uh, I'll never forget uh, uh, I was teaching uh, children between uh, 6 and 11 years old, and I think it was in the first year of uh, teaching, they were probably 6 years old, and I saw this commotion at the back of the classroom, and I went to see what was going on, and two 6-year-old children, two girls, were bargaining uh, one had an apple, and the other one had a sandwich made by two slices of bread, nothing in between, just two slices of bread. And they were bargaining how much of the sandwich would make for how much of the apple. Um, so, uh, you know, observing that and, and uh, um, having a different way of thinking and then integrating myself into uh, different uh, societies and ways of thinking, I realized that there was a lot of value in, in doing uh, that. Excellent. We've only got about three minutes now to commercial break, but I, I wondered, you, you moved on and lived in the UK and you now live in Canada. And what challenges does having you know, greater ability to make your own decisions mean for individuals and business, do you think, over here in the West? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, there is a very interesting, uh, there's a very interesting TED talk, um, uh, that is available. I would recommend to people, I can't recall the name, that, that talks about the difficulty, uh, that our brain is faced with when we have so many choices. Uh, so, so in actual fact, while we believe that it's great to have choices, uh, what has been shown research on brain activity, uh, has shown is that people are actually uh, frozen by the number of choices that they have. I don't know if that answered your question, but um, it's an interesting connection to, um, in fact, we're getting worse just because we have more choices. I think that's a really, you know, really interesting insight. I think that's certainly something that uh, I've, I've found and I've experienced in myself from having worked in organizations where you're, you're, you're you know, kind of part of the part of the system to going and um, setting up your own business where maybe you've got much more freedom, um, suddenly the amount of decisions that you have to make yourself and the, the range of them can be huge and the opportunities can be huge as well, which means that you can um, you can get frozen up. You know, which, where do I go? Um, how do yeah. I move along the street? Absolutely, absolutely, definitely, and I and I do experience that in my interaction with uh, with people, and I'm I'm experiencing myself. I mean, I came from a place where I I couldn't make a choice. There was there was one pair of trousers, right? Uh, here, I you walk into a store and you go, which one? And of course, um, bad people like me buy them all. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Excellent. Well, we've got to go to, uh, to commercial break now, but uh, let's let's after the break, let's really kind of get into defining what decision making is and you know, the kinds of processes that uh, people can go through to make even better decisions. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisor's expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions. Ask Tab Ignite to work for you at tabignite at trustedadvisoryboard.com and make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company. Do you believe in the value you bring to an organization? Have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers? Do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business? Let Tab Advance be your personal advisory board and help you make different, better decisions about your career. Our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when, why, and how you make those decisions. Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at advance at trustedadvisoryboard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to lellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Now, back to Because There's More. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm on Lara Ellis's show, and I'm hosting this uh, for her today um, because this this interview is interviewing Lara on better decisions and better business. And Lara, it was great chatting to you um, before the break about um, your experiences in Romania and having come across to to live in the West. And I wonder, we're talking about decision making, but how do you actually define it? Um, yes, that, that's a good question because it it uh, it may appear like an easy one to answer, but actually in the definition of what decision making is, one can notice um, uh, there's a lot of important elements that one misses in everyday decision making. So um, there's two angles to look at decision making or defining decision making. Uh, on one hand, you can look at it as the study of identifying and choosing alternatives based on the values and preferences of the decision maker. In other words, if you decide to go on a holiday, uh, it will be important for you to know, are you going on a recreational holiday or uh, are you going on a cultural city holiday? If you prefer more, the um, the recreational holiday. Of course, it will have a higher priority. Your, your preference will, will weigh uh, heavier in making that decision. So making a decision, first of all, implies that there are alternative choices to be considered. Um, and uh, we want, that's why it's important not only to identify as many of these alternatives as possible, but to choose the one that, one, has the highest probability of success or effectiveness, and two, best fits with our goals and desires. Um, so 
there's two important ideas here. First, there must be genuine alternatives. And the second, every decision must be made in the light of some standard of uh, judgment or, or around the criteria. Um, Decision-making from the other uh, angle is also the process of sufficiently reducing uncertainty and doubt about alternatives to allow reasonable choice to be made from among them. So if you think that you have a number of choices, what you want to do in a best-case scenario is to choose the alternative that has the highest likelihood of uh, uh, getting you to the goal that you're seeking. In decision-making terms, we talk about accurate decisions, which is not what uh, you'd expect uh, uh, to mean in, in normal language. So accurate decision does not by any means uh, say that uh, uh, you will get the outcome you want. Uh, accurate decision is the one with the highest likelihood uh, to, to get you the outcome. Um, and in other words, there is no decision uh, that is made with absolute certainty because complete knowledge about all the alternatives is seldom possible. So it's kind of a, it, it, it's a, a critical thinking process. It's, it's weighing up the different options and alternatives and then making the, the decision based upon the most likely probability of, of yeah. uh, the decision getting you towards your goal. Is that the, yeah. in summary? Yeah. Um, so what do you think then are, you know, the problems that you see in business when, um, you know, decision-making is poor? Yeah. Um, so, again, I think that there's two, uh, there's two ways to, um, uh, to answer this. Uh, one way is to identify some typical examples where you see a uh, 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 bad outcome of decision-making or undesired outcome. Uh, so you can talk about decline in engagement and commitment, for example, or uh, a lack of alignment across the organization or lower productivity. Uh, but the list can go on and on because the other answer, which is Tab's answer, which is my answer, is that every organizational decision uh, that is a poor decision can be ultimately tracked down to a serious uh, uh, error in judgment and decision. So my answer would be that every single um, every single situation where there, there is a bad outcome, it is ultimately the result of a poor decision-making process. Uh, and and is, uh, is not making a decision a decision? Absolutely. Absolutely, there's still a choice, and, and it is why I actually say that um, before we uh, engage in any kind of activity, our brain is extremely busy sifting through uh, impulses, information, uh, uh, impressions, and only some of those are passed over to another part of the brain to transform or to, uh, you know, be followed in, um, in action. Uh, or beliefs, to become a believer and to be followed into action. So not making a decision goes through a process of assessing the alternative and not making the decision is the alternative that you have, your brain has chosen out of uh, what was available. As sort of uh, thinking back there to, you know, your explanation of decision-making, and I had a wonderful conversation last week with a, with a, a turnaround expert called Patrick Rettig, and what he was talking about was in you know some businesses um, people you know mess up by once they've got some money by sort of gambling or drinking or illicit relations and those those sorts of things and actually you know probably 
those weren't in line with the the objective and the, that they wanted to achieve. Um, yeah. But they allowed themselves to make that those poor decisions en route, and actually, it's it's led to the breakup of you know businesses and families as a consequence. Sure, um, absolutely. And and you mentioned, I mean, what you mentioned there, and thank you for sharing with me and with others that example. Um, what what you talked about uh, that is a very important point here is uh, not being aligned with what you're trying to achieve. In my experience, and I'm often asked because my work is with a senior executive, what do I find to be the biggest, um, uh, you know, the biggest gap? at the highest level. And uh, it has taken me kind of years of, um, of uh, experience and, and to form this opinion. But in my opinion, uh, the biggest gap in decision-making at the executive level is caused by a lack of focus. And what I mean by that, of course, those are very focused people, uh, you know, uh, senior executives. But what happens somehow along the very complex process of decision-making, uh, the agenda or the end goal uh, becomes very, uh, it's less visible. Um, I often work with people, uh, you know, at, at the same level, at the sea level, who actually uh, forget that they're in um, this thing together. You often hear, you know, well, I'm not doing that because the uh, uh, CMO, uh, I don't like the CMO, or uh, I don't like how they think, or, well, I'm sorry, uh, sales uh, uh, is not happy with operations and vice versa. And then they start bargaining as if they're working uh, in different teams. In reality, there is or they should be reminded all the time uh, that they are on the same team and they're kind of driving towards the same goal. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, therefore, what in, your, what in your opinion is the ideal process for making a great decision? Interestingly, the, the process, from a process perspective, there are no real differences between the process of making a good decision versus the process of making a bad decision. In, in you know, um, you start by setting up a goal and then uh, you start gathering information that you believe is relevant and uh, then uh, you weigh out the different alternatives and uh, um, make a decision relative to what is important to you. Uh, so the process itself, it's, it's the same. Um, it is really what happens in the process uh, that causes people to end up with uh, uh, poor decisions because at every single step um, something can go wrong. So if you think that decision, the quality of a decision is influenced by a number of factors and just to mention some obvious one, the, the amount of information, the relevance, the quality of the information is a big influencer, but not uh, the only one. Um, the uh, one's preferred thinking style, for example, uh, you know, risk takers uh, are more likely to take risks and make decisions that are risky and uh, uh, not look so much to uh, building contingency plans. Uh, and, and after all that, uh, you know, it's considered our feelings and how we feel about the decision we're making also influence. Um, and finally, and a very important point that um, um, I will try to, to summarize and be succinct about, um, Professor Daniel Kahneman, which is uh, the most prominent living psychologist, uh, a Nobel Prize laureate and the founder of behavioral economics, uh, wrote an amazing book, which is uh, 
well, wrote more than one amazing book, but in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, um, he describes our mental activity in terms of two characters, uh, System 1 and System 2. Uh, so we can more easily understand um, uh, what he's referring to. And by the way, he chose that. He chose to talk about our mind in two characters because we are wired to respond to stories better than we're responding to disparate information. So going back to the book, in, in his book, Daniel Kahneman describes the mental activity as two systems. One is system one is the one that's active all the time, makes fast decisions, and is uh, right most of the time. System two is the one that's kind of uh, burning in the background, slowly burning, a bit lazy because it's not jumping in unless it's being called upon. But that's the system that it's required to solve the most complex most complex problems. The challenge is that because the uh, system one is automatic and tries to solve all the problems and make all the decisions, um, we don't know when we are using a less sophisticated thinking uh, style to make decisions instead of making using the more complex. So that's where re really where the, the challenge uh, occurs in decision making. It's really in the way that our brain is wired. I just kind of, you know, while listening to that, I was, you know, wondering about, you know, some some people do make make decisions based upon facts and evidence and market research, and there was others who it's just going you know, to quite simply a gut feel. Yeah. Um, what's your, what's your thought on that? On you know, particularly on sort of gut feel decision making, whether it just feels right. I, I'm laughing because I, I have a very strong position on, on the, uh, the gut feel decision making. So, uh, but let me, uh, let me reflect back, uh, Professor Kahneman's point of view. So, um, the gut feel really is a description of intuitive decision making. Um, but there are two there are two types of intuition, and one that uh, uh, he calls expert intuition, and then there's a heuristic intuition. And, and let me tell you what the difference is. So the expert intuition um, is referring to uh, experts in a field who have had so much exposure to something, uh, to their field, that they become that they start seeing the world in a different, uh, with a different view than you and I would. So, for example, chess masters, uh, after years and years of mastering the art of chess, they can actually walk uh, through a park, uh, look at two players playing, and say, uh, in three moves, you made at this end. Uh, now, they they would have had the time to put the information together to actually uh, uh, be right or wrong. But what happens there, they actually tap into a ton of knowledge and expertise that was formed before. So that kind of intuition, expert intuition, is, is good. And it, it allows our, uh, you know, our fast and uh, uh, deciding part of the brain to come up with answers that are correct. The other part, though, the heuristic uh, decision-making, is when the system one um, cannot deal with a problem, it's too complex, but has decided to make some rules based on few cues. 
So uh, to give an example, there's a, a heuristic called a shortcut. They take shortcuts, or we take shortcuts, I should say. Uh, there's a heuristic called availability heuristic, uh, which means that we're more likely uh, to believe that uh, things they, we see more often are a lot more frequent uh, than they are in reality. Uh, there's a confirmation bias. We have a tendency to uh, look for facts that support our opinion rather than look for the opposite, which is a more scientific way. So if gut feel um, uh, or gut feeling describes um, heuristic, uh, the, the intuitive heuristic, then we have a problem. Most of the time it's guess nothing else. It's a total guess. If, however, gut feel describes expert intuition, then we're in a totally different field and chances are the decision is correct. That's a really interesting reflection. That's probably one thing that I should take away from this interview there. I suppose the question is, you know, if you've got a decision to make and you are uh, wanting to make it on a, on a good feel, then actually do you have the experience in that area to be able to, to draw upon, uh, to be able to make that decision wisely. If not, you probably need to seek some counsel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and here's a here's a sobering statement from uh, uh, Doc Professor Kahneman's book um, that no matter how hard we try, uh, because we cannot um, be aware of the interaction between the two systems, as he calls them, the best we can do is to become aware of uh, of biases and situations where we slip into uh, a poor uh, approach to decision making saying that there will be lots of our time uh, other times when we will not even be aware that we are uh, heading towards the wrong decision uh, because what happens the the system one that that gives or makes a decision quickly um, when faced with a complex situation uh, it replaces, or he, let's say he or she, uh, replaces the complex situation with something a lot easier to solve. But rarely that substitution is known to us, if that makes sense. So um, as much as we can read and be aware, there is a point uh, beyond we can't do anything our mind will continue to trick us uh, because it tricks us without us even knowing it did. So sometimes do we, do we then need to maybe make a decision that takes us a bit, a bit closer to where we want to be and see what reaction we get back? Um, and, and that is a way, and, and, and some people make that. Um, I'm sure that you've noticed uh, uh, that uh, in the last, I don't know, perhaps uh, a couple of years, two, three years, and uh, um, definitely here in North America and probably in England as well, there's a lot more emphasis on, on decision-making uh, and a lot more emphasis on, um, uh, on uh, having mentors, having the right mentors around you. Um, you know, the, the concept of personal advisory boards is coming up more and more because people are somehow decision making is coming uh, into the light a bit more uh, and and the uh, you, you know the mainstream uh, business uh, world is getting to learn more about the science behind decision making uh, but it is proven that if you do have people uh, who can um, feed in 
to your processes, stretch your thinking, make you think differently, um, challenge how you made the decision, ask you questions that take you in a different direction, then for sure the quality of the decision making is elevated. I, I put in one of my countdown posts uh, a statement from the Yahoo of uh, uh, um, Yahoo CEO Marissa Mayer that the decisions she was most happy about were those uh, when she had uh, mentors around her to stretch her thinking. That makes a great, a lot of sense. So well, when we come back after the break, let's um, have a chat about the type of uh, people um, who can help us make better decisions. What sort of people should we look for? And, uh, and we'll find out a little bit more about Tab as well. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. To you, Voice America Business Network. Do you believe in the value you bring to an organization? Have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers? Do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business? Let Tab Advanced be your personal advisory board and help you make different, better decisions about your career. Our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when, why, and how you make those decisions. Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at advance at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisor's expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions. Ask Tab Ignite to work for you at tabignite at trustedadvisoryboard.com and make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to lellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Now, back to Because There's More. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with, with Laura Ellis, and uh, I'm uh, hosting the the show for Laura today. It's a very first show and we're talking about better decisions, better business. And as Laura is uh, the expert on when it comes to decision making, certainly in my network, it made sense to uh, uh, to find out all about decision making with Laura today. So Laura, I just wonder if you could just maybe touch on, um, you mentioned before the break that um, some of these uh, real experts have said that some of the best decisions they've made, the most comfortable they've been uh, making decisions has been when they've had um, people there sort of coaching and supporting them, what sort of people um, would you recommend that people find to help them make better decisions? What should they look sure. for? Sure. That, that's a great uh, question, Chris, but uh, probably one that I don't necessarily have a black or, uh, or white answer or a great answer because, uh, first of all, uh, if you consider the elements that, uh, um, uh, you know, cause uh, uh, the quality of a decision to elevate, which is the information, the relevance of the information, um, the skill uh, that's involved in making the decision, so a lot of knowledge, then uh, the decision-maker's thinking style and, and 
everything else, then one can easily suggest, well, um, uh, surround yourself by people who have a lot of expertise and experience in um, in the uh, field that you operate in. They've already been through uh, what uh, you have been through. Um, so typically what you'll find that if we surround ourselves with people who have done what we're looking to do, uh, it's a great direction to take. Um, at the same time, however, um, sometimes getting uh, uh, people with similar backgrounds, with similar understanding, with with too much knowledge about uh, an industry or, or, or a field um, causes our decisions to be very um, uh, repetitive, to be very uh, conservative, to be, uh, you know, reproducing what's been done uh, before. So, you know, if you are looking for something that also has a different edge or, or is looking to create a new approach or an innovative approach, what you need to look for is people who think um, uh, differently uh, than you, who, who have different experiences, so you can um, leverage their insights uh, in different ways in, in your industry. Um, so any expertise would be uh, valuable um, if you are taking the decision in collaboration with someone else. Uh, so that's one skill set or, 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 you know, a category of skill set. Uh, secondly, uh, you would need to surround yourself with uh, people who understand cognition and how we make decisions. So um, in my uh, former life, before I started my own organization, uh, with a background in industrial psychology, I, uh, I, did, I conducted a lot of assessments uh, of executives. So um, you get very good of realizing if the people you're assessing are very conservative, uh, are very uh, measured, are very planned, or they're innovative and, uh, and risk takers. Um, and then you get to understand what would they, um, you know, what would they benefit from to raise, to elevate the quality of their decision making. So it's not an easy one to answer because theoretically you should get uh, a bit of everything uh, when you surround yourself with uh, mentors. In reality, that's not uh, that easy to achieve. People are very easy having access to your network. It's also uh, uh, a challenge. And you often don't know um, what I mentioned earlier about system one, system two. You often don't know that uh, you are making uh, a poor decision because you're actually solving not the right problem but the wrong problem. So, Excellent. Well, I think... Uh you know, there's, there's a lot of wisdom in what you've said there, and it, it will probably depend upon the individual scenario. But I think you're very much right that having – and I've worked in big sort of corporate companies, and you can draw upon resource internally, but also drawing on res resources externally can definitely give you a different, uh, a different picture. Um, and therefore, I just wonder, do you want to just tell us a little bit about how TAB came about, but also how your, um, about your advisors and how uh, you and TAB can help people to make better decisions? Sure. I, I, I can't wait. I thought you'd never ask, Chris. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, absolutely, because, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't a deliberate uh, um, uh, 
entry into this uh, question describing to you that people, to make the best decision, people would need a different, a varied input. Uh, but this is basically the, uh, the concept that TAB brings to organizations. So um, if you wish, like uh, replicating the concept of senior advisors to the president uh, who can bring different perspectives and different information, uh, that's what uh, TAB uh, is seeking to do. And the, the way uh, TAB was created, was in response to a number of my observations over time. So my first observation um, emerged from, you know, not being satisfied by the statements made in our industry uh, regarding what makes a difference to organization success. And what I mean by that, um, you know, we seem to go through, through cycles where one uh, key word um, is picked up by everyone and, and it becomes the solution of that period of time. So for a long time, uh, engagement. Engagement was the, the answer to all uh, the problems in an organization. And then when everyone picked up engagement surveys and that didn't solve everything, uh, it, it made a little contribution to uh, how the company grew and everything else, uh, then there was um, um, innovation and then and I'm not saying them I'm not telling them in order but then there was innovation and then there was strategy and and lately and for the last five to ten years the word leadership is so um, it's it, leadership is the, the answer to everything and I'm not saying that it is not what I'm saying is that in my experience uh, I rarely get to answer uh, to similar answers when I ask people what do you mean by leadership you know, uh, so, so that observation that, that we might like to have the answer, but we don't really know and there is no one answer was one observation. My other observation was uh, more the result of an evolution in my own thinking um, and uh, basically realizing that um, without a doubt, management as a skill set is the most complex skill set in a senior role because um, it's not one skill set. In fact, a complex and dynamic combination of different skill sets, disciplines, and sciences. Like, uh, you need a bit of psychology, a bit of economics, a bit of business administration, a, a bit of anthropology. I could go on and on and on. Uh, and in reality, there isn't one person out there who can actually, um, uh, you know, either uh, through their own choice or because they're being asked, can go back to either school or, or experiential learning to pick up all the knowledge that's out there that might help you to make better decisions for your business. So I thought, you know, uh, if the um, mountain can't come to Mohammed, Mohammed will go to the mountain, or however the saying goes. Um, I then thought, what if I create a way to bring all that, uh, you know, expertise, experience, uh, psychology, uh, challenging into one bucket and make it in such a way or build it in such a way that people have access to it at all times. So that's how TAB was created. So tell us a bit about the advisors behind your business. It's not just so you, the advisors it? part, yeah. So the advisors part of the business, if you think that what I'm describing uh, involves uh, 50 disciplines, different experiences, different ages, different backgrounds, different cultures. Um, as, um, you know, as, as good as I am, Chris, I, even I don't know it all. So um, I realized that uh, there, there has to be a way for me 
to uh, uh, bring that expertise or, or experience uh, um, uh, to the client um, in a way that it doesn't take too much time. So the system or the, the operating model is made up by a dual advisory layer. So there, there's a layer of advisors who interact ongoing and on demand with a client who are more generalists. They can, you know, they, they know about business, they, they feel comfortable asking questions. But then there's a second layer behind who actually brings the expertise. And, and the advisors um, uh, behind on the second layer at the moment, um, they are all uh, very senior uh, seasoned executives. Um, most of them are, are in roles and are experiencing challenges that our clients experience. So they can talk from an um, experiential perspective and also talk very candidly uh, about uh, what they've learned, what they've done right and what they've done wrong um, as they go through the situation. And, of course, sometimes I filter that information. Uh, sometimes when it's well beyond my filtering, um, I plug in people with that expertise for a short amount of time just to help the decision-making in a critical situation. Excellent. So there's a, a lot of people in, people sitting behind uh, yeah. behind the, the engagement, people who are engaging with the client who uh, you know, are sitting in roles at the moment in across lots of different industries who can yes. uh, help with the decision-making process. Um, sounds a, a really kind of, you know, different and very helpful model. Now, I wonder how, how do you best engage with your clients? Um, so if you, um, if you, if by that uh, you refer to, you know, how do we um, interact and what we're trying to achieve, um, let me just share with you that uh, uh, the mission of TAB is really to uh, facilitate better decision-making at the highest level in organization and government by giving access to decision-makers to a, to a network of knowledge, to a curated network of knowledge, so they can make better decisions, they can build better businesses, and ultimately we have um, uh, better societies. So if you, if you take that mission, uh, we knew that there is more than one way uh, to, to achieve that goal. So um, currently, TAB uh, has four different, let's call them lines of businesses or, or arms, if you wish, uh, that achieve that goal in different ways. So one of them, which we call TAB Ignite, uh, it's really a personal advisory board, a virtual personal advisory board to senior executives on a regular, ongoing basis. Um, uh, another way of, uh, of achieving the same goal is really by advancing or supporting uh, professionals of different backgrounds, different gender, different age, um, different, full stop, from what we have today uh, as a majority at the executive level. So by supporting those executives advance in, the, um, in organizations uh, because we know how to do it. Uh, we have a number of uh, different skill sets and we created a model and uh, based on a lot of expertise. So that is called tab advance. Uh, the, the third arm is really about informing people, but informing people with information that, that is very practical and easily applicable. Uh, I often hear uh, advice on, you know, on other podcasts about you need to, um, I don't know, engage people, which sounds great and everyone leaves feeling inspired by the need to engage people. But then they go back to the organization and, and, and the question is, uh, how did they do that and what do I need to do? Um, what TAP Talks does uh, 
provides that kind of, uh, uh, you know, information and that kind of specificity, behavioral specificity. So people who, uh, who listen to us get to know exactly what others have done in similar situations, what worked, what didn't, what kind of information they should have had and didn't, missed it, and what did it lead to. This show is part of that arm. And finally, the, the last one is the one where we're looking, uh, you know, I felt that there's too much intelligence being exchanged uh, under TAB umbrella, working with people like yourself, with clients, with the advisors that needs to be harnessed and, and something else be done to it. So um, I decided to call it TAB Vision um, and uh, uh, through it to find ways to what I proudly say reinvent the will because if nobody, if we don't, nobody else will. Excellent, Laura. Uh, I just want to, I'm just mindful of the time. We've just got a couple of minutes left. And I just want to ask you, um, you know, very, very kind of neatly in one question, you know, do you have a final message that you'd like to leave us with? Um, I, you know, my final message is that uh, uh, we are great decision makers. And if we can, uh, you know, remember that uh, uh, we our brain is smarter than we are and we can get trapped in our own thinking and to ask advice from others uh, doesn't matter who they are. They don't have to be as senior as we are, as experienced as we are. Um, it's difference in perspective and point of view and it's uh, density of different ideas that uh, uh, causes progress and growth uh, and not sameness. Excellent. Well, I know there's probably a number of people listening who want to find out more about TAB, and then you can go to trustedadvisoryboard.com. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you to Laura for the invitation to interview her today. I've absolutely loved being on your first show, Laura. And, and I'd just like to leave by asking you, um, who do you have on next week's show and what's coming up? Well, on my next week's show, uh, I have this wonderful uh, leader and uh, business owner uh, named Rochelle Oakley. And in fact, the next 13 episodes will be dedicated to uh, my advisors who will come on the show to talk more about themselves and what they bring to uh, TAB. So next week is Rochelle. Excellent. And if people want to send you any questions or um, have any feedback, where would you like that to go to? Absolutely. If they do want to, and I welcome them all because I want this to be a very practical and interactive uh, uh, show, uh, they can send all the emails to Ellis, L-E-L-L-I-S, at trustedadvisoryboard.com. All of those well, details are on my page on uh, Voice America's network uh, business channel. Excellent. Well, Laura, once again, thank you for um, having me as in introducing you on your first show. And I wish you the very best of luck for what I'm sure is going to be a fantastic series. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you for agreeing Thanks. to do this. It was great experience for me. Um, I also did this because I wanted to tell my advisors that I've experienced what they've experienced. And uh, God, it makes a difference when you have a good interviewer. So I'll certainly do my best to... Um, to create the similar comfort that you have created for me. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And uh, I'd just like to wish everybody who's listened to the show today um, the very best of luck. And don't forget to listen in to Laura's show again uh, same time next week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Because There's More. 
Join Laura Ellis again next Monday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to tune in because there's more.